and welcome to the Stories for Tomorrow podcast. We love chatting with interesting people, people with stories to tell. In each episode, we will be sharing true stories told by real people. We hope you enjoy it. This podcast is sponsored by Clockbox, a digital memory box of your life to be shared with future generations. Hey, I know you're gone. The clock keeps moving on. I feel this last week. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Day Stories for Tomorrow podcast. I'm Larissa Lima, your host, and I'm super excited to have you all here for our first episode. If you love listening to inspiring and fascinating stories, you are in the right place. For our first episode, we have a very special guest. He had a good few careers, and now he has taken his greatest challenge. I'm not going to spoil things, so let's get right in there. My guest today is Don Kulati, founder of Clockbox, who is also the sponsor of this podcast. Hi, hello, Don. How are you today? Hi, Larissa. How are you? Great to catch up with you uh, eventually. You're lucky to catch me, actually. I'm, I was show jumping locally today and I'm glad to be alive. Oh, wow. That's very exciting. I didn't know that you ride horses, Don. Yeah, that's my hobby. Yeah, I've been at it now for about, for about 27 or 28 years. My brother was a very, very successful jockey, won the English Grand National and the Irish Grand National. He also won three gold cups and trained the winner of the gold cup. So I'm a very poor relation. Oh, that's so cool, though. I didn't know that. I have a, I have a nephew as well who's a very, very successful flat jockey. So my life is full of regrets, Larissa. <laughs> I'm sure that everybody's life is full of regrets, though. We live and learn. It's how they say, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. You told me that you were born in Ireland. I'm sure you had amazing childhood memories in here. It's an amazing country. Would you have a favorite childhood memory to tell us? I suppose one of the funniest memories I have actually is when I was about seven or eight years of age. I remember we lived in the town center and uh, a Coca-Cola truck came around the corner one day and he obviously lost his balance with a big load or something and the truck turned upside down. And there was a river of Coca-Cola running into the town, which was incredible for Children back in the 1960s, when a bottle of Coca-Cola was like a piece of gold, <laughs> there was uh, fizzy water running everywhere. But you know what? It was pre-internet days. And I don't think the internet would be as quick as all the children coming out of their houses to go licking the Coca-Cola <laughs> off the streets. <laughs> I can imagine it. You didn't get hurt, did you? No, nobody was hurt. No, no, nobody was hurt. I suppose the pride of the driver was probably hurt. That was about it. Oh, my God. That sounds crazy. <laughs> I have another memory, actually, of um, when I was about, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years of age. I remember uh, coming home one day and asking my mom, could I open a sandwich business to which she wouldn't let me do it, of course. And uh, the following week was the Munster final, which is a big football final. I set up a stall at the front gate unknowns to her and started selling sandwiches from about half to six or seven o'clock in the morning. I have no idea how I managed to do this, but I did anyway. But uh, the lesson I had was that at the end of the day, after managing to get all my sisters to do all the hard work, my mother decided there was a slight difference between turnover and profit. And uh, she divvied out all of my hard-earned money to my sisters and um, for deliveries and for making sandwiches all day, etc. So that's a kind of a nice memory I have as well. I suppose it introduced me to the world of entrepreneurship. Oh, that's so smart. You're a businessman since your early age. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely my introduction to business. Yeah, I don't know why. I think it's just we had things were pretty tough when we were kids. 
we didn't have a lot of money like a lot of people. I always felt a sense of guilt that um, money was always a problem. And I don't know, I just always worked. I, I was always happy to work. I used to work in the fun fair. I even opened a little cinema in our garage once upon a time, but people got stick, sick of seeing the same movie time and time again. So that wasn't very <laughs> successful. <laughs> I'm not much different myself, though. I'm not from a healthy family. It's actually the opposite. My mom was a single mother and she had to work in two jobs to take care of me and my brother. So I learned very early how to help the family. So I started selling things. I think I was 13 years old. And uh, my mother always said that was very persuasive <laughs> with my words. So I guess we learned a few skills. Tell me one thing, Dom, from all those years of experience. You always told me that you lived abroad, uh, made loads of friends, loads of mistakes. So what was the most important thing that you've learned in life? I think it's people. I grew up very, very quickly. I emigrated very, very young. I was only 17 when I emigrated. I think it was learning about people and connections and friendships, the importance of being nice to people, how you can achieve an awful lot more through being nice than forcing people. And I've always enjoyed helping others. And I think it's made me a more whole person, you know, understanding that life is a journey. It's full of experiments and lessons. And as you learn every one of these lessons, you get a chance to move on to the next lesson. And it took me a long time to grow up emotionally. I was very, very serious as a child, I think, because we struggled financially. And um, I ended up having my first major business by the time I was 23 with 28 staff and 17 company cars and a huge wage bill of a million pounds a year. And I think that kind of knocks the sleep out of your eyes and takes a little bit of fun out of your childhood. Definitely. Because you grow up very, very quick, but I didn't grow up emotionally. I only started to grow up emotionally really much later in life. I think I was probably into my 30s by the time I started to grow up emotionally. So that's probably the main lessons I've learned in life really is people. That sounds very nice. Yeah, I feel the same, to be honest. And I think you, after a little while, you understand the importance of people in your life to give support to loved ones, being there for them, and the importance of them when you need somebody that they're going to be there for you. Exactly. Is it one of the reasons that you created Clockbox? Because after all those years, why did you decide creating Clockbox now, a tech company? now that stage of your life? Yeah, the very, very interesting question, actually. Uh, I wasn't expecting that one. The thing about Clockbox, uh, it's a culmination of an awful lot of things I've done in my life. And because I have five children and, of course, my wife, I feel that, um, you know, I may not be around when they're in their 20s and 30s. For some of them, they're very, very young. And if there's a possibility I won't be around, I think I would love to still be part of their lives. And Unfortunately, we're all going to die at some point. And the only way that I could create the kind of afterlife was to be able to create something where people could save memories. And that's really what Clockbox became about. It was all about uh, how you're going to connect your kids with yourself after you're gone. So that's what it's about, really. Yeah, that's very thoughtful business idea. When you told me about it, I started thinking, how would I use Clockbox? And I think I would love it as a, my diary where I could storage like pictures, letters. And when I get be sad or homesick, I can open it up and will help me to remind who I am, my purpose of life, where I came from. And I think a lot of people know they suffer from depression and anxiety. It definitely could help them as it is private and safe storage and nobody's going to judge you in there. Like, doesn't matter what you're going to write about. It's yours. 
And um, I think what you're doing now, though, might help a lot of people in the future. Well, yes. I mean, look, that's the more you get into it, the more you realize that uh, it's incredible, really, to think that somebody hasn't done this before. To have that adaptable, flexible way that you can basically get your stuff together. I mean, nobody likes to think about dying. I, no matter what country you're in, nobody likes to think about dying. And we have this apathy to dying. So I suppose Clockbox was really about trying to close that gap to allow people the flexibility of being able to do things at a nice pace where you're not forced to go into a lawyer's office to do something financial. When in actual fact, it's much more about more emotional connection with your family. I mean, obviously they want the money, but <laughs> I'm sure we all want the money. But I'd like to think that my kids will miss a lot more than uh, than the few pounds that I'm going to give them, you know. <laughs> I'm sure you do not need to worry about it. <laughs> the memories that we leave behind is much more important than the actual money. I love the way the clock box has a positive feeling associated with the product, even though it touches on a very sensitive topic. Yeah, sure. Look, I mean, you know, people have become addicted to social media and some particular social medias like Facebook and Instagram have been phenomenally successful. And I suppose what people have learned, we spend an, in an inordinate amount of time on social media looking for gratification and seeking endorsement. And people telling us that our hair is lovely or our new shoes are lovely or whatever, or that our family are more attractive than everybody else's family, etc., which is a lot of nonsense. Mm -hmm. And we've become addicted to this. But of course, it's now known as what's called the social dilemma, because for every positive result there is from social exchange, there's also a negative and there's a lot of bullying and 100%. children are ending up very, very upset because they're not getting as many likes as their friend at school, etc., etc. They don't have as many followers or friends. So I don't think there's a future in that kind of stuff. Psychologically, it's not good for people. It certainly doesn't help people with depression and anxiety. So Clockbox is something completely different. It's an extension of social media into something totally different, which is about what I call future sharing. So it's about an opportunity to say things to people you love. It's an opportunity to apologize to people that you might have wronged. It's an opportunity to say things to people that you mightn't feel comfortable saying to them when you're alive. It's a lot easier to say it after you're gone. It also sums up what our life is about as well, because it's that fabulous conduit where if you're journaling or diarizing in your clock box, it's something that triggers the emotion for you to actually start sharing with other people. So I don't want to dwell on too much about it, but it's a very, very interesting product. And I think it is of its time now. It's about time it was put on the market. It is a very beautiful product. I love the meaning behind it. It's very thoughtful. So just one final question, though I'm not going to keep you for too long. The final question is, so as you know, the title of this podcast is the stories for tomorrow. So let's just imagine for one second here that your own life ended today, but you left a time capsule to your family. What would they find in it, though? What would you put it into your clock box? Oh, wow. You've put me on the spot now, Larissa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I should say they'll have to wait and see. But no, the answer is it would be all about inspiration. Uh, loads of it. Absolutely loads of inspiration, encouragement, explanations, life experiences, apologies even, you know, for people that I have wronged. I'd also like to make things very simple for my wife because it's going to be traumatic enough when I pop my clogs. <laughs> I think I'd like to leave things organized for her. You know, she'd be able to find my passwords and stuff, access the few euros I have left in the bank that she hasn't managed to spend in the boutique. <laughs> I think I'd fill it with love stories that'll help my kids to navigate the tough road of being a teenager, 
going through early marriage years, etc., etc., etc. Because everyone has to travel the road, and if I can make the road a little bit easier for those I love, I think that would be the best legacy I could ever leave. Oh my heart, I just love it. That's beautiful. They're gonna need to wait a really long time before they open it up. Uh, that is time capsule, but I'm sure it will bring comfort to your family when the time comes. I just would like to thank you so much, Don, for being our first interview in the Stars for Tomorrow podcast. I'm so happy to have you here, and uh, thank you. I hope see you soon. Great for having me on. Thanks very much, Larissa. Take care. Bye bye. You too. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Stories for Tomorrow. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Clockbox, a digital memory box of your life to be shared with future generations. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.